Hello, listener. What you're about to hear is a What Are We Do Show patron unlock. This is material which our Patreon supporters have early access to. If you'd like to experience these episodes when they're at their freshest, become a What Are We Do Show patron today at patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen. And envies to our second stream. This is Given Episode Seven. What's up, my doglets? How how how's it going, everybody? Um, I hope you're well on this Friday. And uh, I've decided now, just impromptu, I'm going to start referring to all the patrons as my doglets, just so you know. Uh, the laughing man uh, that you hear is the lovely, lovely voice of Shadon. How you doing, Shadon? I will forgive you for calling our patrons doglets. Only, <laughs> only if the spelling of doglet is D-A-W-G. Doglets. It, done. Done. Okay, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. But yeah, otherwise I'm doing well, everyone. I'm super psyched to talk about this particular episode of Given. Well, any given episode of Given. Haha, <laughs> put another one in the tip jar. <laughs> that, cha- that change is <laughs> clinking all the time, honestly. It's an evergreen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That That's a bar tab for an evening now. Fully set up and financed. With the amount Before of times we, we start... made that. <laughs> Before we start recording, I have to admit that... Um, my confidence is a little bit wounded uh, for this episode because a few minutes ago, well, no, it's been more than that. It's a few hours ago at this point. Uh, I was giving a talk to some students, uh, university students, about using some software. And afterward, one of them made what, upon reflection, was clearly a joke. And I was like, took it entirely seriously and asked him to repeat it a couple times. And the fact that I didn't get it, that it was a joke, like it made him look incredibly crestfallen. He just looked so, so sad. And I was just like, well, this is it. I've, I've now crossed the line. I'm so old. I've, I've lost my sense of humor. Time to pack it up. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm going to, going to go into this feeling wounded confidence wise but hopefully maybe maybe talking about this show will will pick me up and i can feel good by the end of it not sorry i've got i've got a few uh jokes of my own lined up and i won't need to repeat them because they're all gonna be bad anyway you'll you'll see how bad they are the first time around but yeah ooh, what a, what an episode tumbling dice a rolling stone song by the way as it turns out hmm. i'd listened to it before and uh it was all right I know that I know that that's killed all of our Rolling Stones fans who are also Given fans. I'm not sure what the Venn diagram what that is looks it? like. I um, was going to ask, what does yeah. that look like? 
But uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very sorry, but like it was just okay. <laughs> this is my reaction to most Rolling Stones music, honestly. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of it. Yeah. Um, so let's see if we can harmonize here. Given episode seven, we're going to launch into discussion about it, skipping the summary as we do on second stream. Mr. Don, Doug Don, what say you about this week's giving? Where would you like to start in our oh. examination of the material? There, there's, there's the big, there's the big moment that you know. I feel very sorely tempted just to lead into immediately. Let's you know get right into the prime roast beef that is this episode's pivotal scene. Yeah, but I also just want to make jokes as well to try and lead in with that. So I suppose I'll start by saying that at least I'm glad that the show recognizes how thirsty Ueno Ami is because he's constantly drinking water. <laughs> you know, I hadn't picked up on that, but yeah, he's a super thirsty kid. Everyone's so super fucking thirsty. thirsty in this show. It's incredible. <laughs> They're always buying drinks, hitting each other with drinks, drinking said drinks. Yeah. I mean, Given's got plenty of positive messages behind it, but well, it's very clearly also saying, you know, stay hydrated, kids. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't dry out. I'm like, that's a good message. Thank you, Given. Awesome. Love it. All right. No, 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 no. Um, I can make jokes about, you know, that all day or certain jokes about trash I'll be coming up with in a little while once we cover a patron question. But no, let's let's actually talk about the big scene. The big, big scene. Now, just again to put cards on the table here in case you happen to be listening to this out of order for some inexplicable reason or have no idea who the fuck I am, uh, which is probably for the best, but that's an aside for later. Um, I'm a cis-set man, and... I'm obviously covering a show that is LGBTQ+, like, you know, it's about boy love, it's about gay romance. So, in much the same way, you know, as I've said before, that technically I could, in theory, in theory, you know, write a uh, very long research paper or even a book on, uh, you know, what it's like to be pregnant. As someone who will never be pregnant himself, I am fundamentally, you know, incapable of properly answering that question in full. And that, therefore, similarly applies here. However, as old friend of the podcast and wonderful person K of Anime is Lit once saw me and it's stuck mm-hmm. with me ever since then because it felt very profound and indeed is very profound. Quainus is not unknowable and shouldn't be treated as such so even though you know I'm going to operate inherently and by default from a certain level of ignorance on the topic I still think it's important that I try and talk about it and understand it and you know get with it. So, with that long screed out of the way, I'm very much apologising for people who've already heard that a thousand times before, but again, just want to make it clear that I'm no one special in this regard. Let's talk about the scene between Akiko and Ueniyama when they discuss basically the moment when which Ueniyama realises that he is gay. I fucking love this scene. I love this scene so yeah. much. This It's just magnificent. In fact, Akiko himself is just great in this entire show. He's really coming to his own as like the big brother kind of, you know, the, the male equivalent of the mother hen thing. I don't, I don't know what you describe it as. I'm sure, you know, you, you all can chime in at home with your own suggestions. Just to give a quick bit of context on this particular discussion, Akiko, like, is very in tune with, like, the band members, like, needs and wants, with the exception of Haruki, who he's... Well, actually, no, I take that back. I think he maybe does have an idea that Haruki yeah. has very strong feelings for him, and he's playing with yeah. him deliberately. But to what, you know, and that is, and also his relationship with uh, Marasa, I think it is, who we now learn the name of, the mysterious uh, black-haired violin guy that he lives with, uh, that's still not quite yet fully clear. But The anyway. tortured genius. The tortured genius. Well, when you live in a completely plain, ordinary, you know, 
basement that looks like the inside of a of a renter cops, you know, prison cell. <laughs> I'm not surprised that you'd feel that way. It really does. Decorate like your that. fucking room, Akiko. Come on, man. Get with the times. Uh, well, isn't it uh, Murata's room? Get with the fucking size, Murata. Decorate <laughs> your room, man. Come on. And it Put looks some like color in there. <laughs> he loves the fucking drab charcoal and yeah. gray. <laughs> Like honestly, honestly, honestly well if, decor. if you told me that Murata's previous like accommodation was a steel shipping container, I'd buy that. <laughs> yes. Fuck's sake. This, All right, okay. This has okay. stainless steel appliances. It has stainless steel everything. Exactly. <laughs> Sold. It's very, it's very airy. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to the topic at hand. So, Akiko basically jokingly says, "Like, have you already had your mitts over him, you filthy, filthy kid? You," and. He then says to he then says to Inuyama, look, right, are you thinking to yourself, like, you know, it's not normal for you to feel, you know, interested in men or boys, like, you know, that you should be interested in girls and, instead? Uh, no, I, I've been interested in boys as well. It was a long time ago. That's probably him, you know, white lying a little bit because his yeah. own relationship with Murata is still very much, you know, leading towards the uh, active and, and ongoing. Um. But yeah, he points out to Inuyama, and I want to explain very briefly something about that I discussed in the previous episode, which was the idea that the show is very normative, if you want to call it that, if that's even a word, I'm sure I've completely made that up out of nowhere, or normative even, about homosexual relationships, in that it seems that in the universe of Given, or the, whatever you want to call it, uh, the Givenverse, uh, that's the new multiverse <laughs> I've named as, uh, that people talk about relationships homosexual relationships very you know no like it's no big deal it's homosexual it's the you know the people in question that make or break the importance of talking about it. like when it's like you guys had sex like to me that particular conversation was not you guys had sex ew but more like you guys had sex like what the fuck are you two doing it would make in in if it were like you know guy and a girl or two girls um it would be presented similarly if not the same that's the way that I think the show has presented thus far, and it's the way it's been very normative about that has been a strength of it because it presents, you know, being LGBTQ plus as a normal thing. You know, it's not something that is unusual or strange. But there is a counter argument that can be made, Sam. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. That that is perhaps not the healthiest thing to do right now because our current world, the real world, is not perfect. There are people mm. out there who, you know, are homophobic um, or transphobic or any sort of thing like that. And it's also not unreasonable to think that as normative as this, or, you know, as normal as the show presents LGBTQ plus relationships, uh, that people like you, Inuyama, who are growing up dealing with their sexuality and learning that they are, I say this with massive air quotes, uh, not normal, massive, massive air quotes, like at least not as far as society sure. dictates. Exactly. Uh, That's the key point. And yeah. You know, Uenoyama, I love that he asks, like, is there something wrong with me? Because I think it shows that the show is not being totally naive, idyllic, and utopian about uh, same-sex relationships. Like, no, yeah. it still takes place in this world that is, uh, you know, hostile to it, or at least othering of it. Yeah, exactly. But it gives it a unusual nature to it. And... <clears throat> That, I think, is really, really important as well, because, like, treating something very normally that isn't in the real world currently felt as normal, again, mass fair quotes here, um, 
I think could be doing a disservice to some people who would watch this show and think to themselves, like, I'm glad that it recognizes who I am, but at the same time, like, I, I don't have it anywhere near as easy as any of these people. And that right. could even just be the case of in your own head, not because you've had bad experiences necessarily. You know, people are by their nature anxious and anxiety, you know, can be a massive thing. I mean, again, this is where I must say this is the cutoff point for my ultimate understanding because I've not really ever questioned my own sexuality growing up. So I can't pretend to, you know, truly understand that. But I can certainly, again, imagine and get that, you know, I don't know who I am, what I am, who I'm interested in. Is that right? Is that wrong? Uh, there could be a thousand one contexts around that which that exists. It could be, you know, you live in a religious family, for example, and that can be an extra pressure. Uh, all sorts of different things. So if it were, as I say, the show just presents it as like business as usual, that it's otherwise treated the same as hetero relationships. While that's an, a nice thing to think about, that's a good place to get to. That's where we would want to be in the future. That's not where we are right now. And so Ueniyama's feelings being expressed this way and Akiko's responses and his means of drawing that out and reassuring him are extremely valuable. Like, I can't think personally of a show, in anime at least, that has done something like this to this level before where it's handled both those elements of being very normative about LGBTQ plus relationships, but at the same time also accepting and relating to the anxieties that people grow up feel when they're coming to terms with their own sexuality for the first time. I mean, can you think of one that does it as well as this? Because I sure as shit can. No. <laughs> not not right offhand in, in terms of the anime world. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's so strange like that it's taken this long for that to happen. But I must say I'm so happy it has. Like again, even though I'm for me myself, like, you know, I'm not someone who's questioned his own sexuality really in his entire life and is cis hair. Like, I can still appreciate the immense value this scene must have to someone who, say, is of Ueniyama's age. Like, look, let's imagine, just hypothetically here, um, that there's someone out there, you know, who is watching, who started watching the show because, like, hey, there's a band, you know, like, I, I, I play in a band or I play a musical instrument, this would be good, who incidentally may or may not have known about it being also a boil of content and also was, you know, questioning their own sexuality, you know, like, can you imagine what it must feel like to watch the events of this show unfold for them and to see how it validates mm. them and, and recognizes their experiences as authentic, genuine, and serious? Yeah. Holy shit. You're, uh, you're struggling and, and we see you. Absolutely. Now, acknowledging it on its own is, is certainly a good thing, but I want to also very quickly speak about Ahihiko's construction as a character and aesthetics in relation to this. Now, Bear with me here, this is going to sound a bit crazy, but just... Oh, hey, can I say something really oh, quick on. that's germane to what you were just saying before we get too far away from it? Just really quickly wanted to point out that... Um, so th there is uh, a part in that discussion between Akihiko and uh, Uechi. Uh, Uechi. <laughs> Uechi. Uechi? 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 If you call me Shadechi at any point, I'm going to slap you by the way. <laughs> I'm just playing uh, that I'm out. scribbling that down for later... Um, I've scribbled some deals no. down. Kill Doc horribly, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> painfully. Anyway, carry on. Coffin. <laughs> Measure him for coffin. No, I'm not even doing uh, that. I'm not giving you that just privilege. Fuck that. <laughs> That's effort, man. I'm not doing that. Oh no. Um, we'll discuss this off mic. So, um, yeah. Whenever uh, uh, Aki says, um, you know, that he has uh, been with other men before, and 
Uenoyama like spits out his water, right? Like yes. he kind of just isolate on that scene. You could see that being done in certain other anime that the the joke would specifically be well, it would be a joke, first of all, and it would be specifically about, ooh, like you're gay, like you've been with other dudes. Like, oh my god. Um but I feel like here the the way it's handled it just didn't feel like mean-spirited at all. It very much felt like you're telling me, you're just telling me your sexual history. Like you could have said anything right about his sexual history. And I feel like in that society, that would make someone else spit their water out. Like, Oh, you're telling, you're, you're telling me this, me this right now in public, this kind of conversation. And yeah, it just didn't feel like mean Mm. um, or targeting. And uh, that was really nice to see. Maybe maybe though it's because when Yama recognized, wait a minute, this guy's with my sister. Oh, oh yeah, no, there's that layer too. Like, whoa, like surprising, right? I mean, I, I didn't think that. Yeah, mm. totally. But it's not it's not brought up explicitly, mind you, but I do wonder if that will come to a head at some point. Um, but anyway, uh, your point you just brought up then is actually also very relevant to what I was just about to mention about Akiko's like design character-wise. Okay. Um, because another reading you can take on what you just said there is that I think that a lot of people often prejudge as someone's sexuality based on their appearance. Like, if you see uh, a guy who, like, you know, is very effeminate, you know, you like, you might assume that uh, you know that they're gay or even bi. Like, aesthetics play a lot in prejudging some, uh, like, someone's sexuality, or at least assuming that. In my opinion, and I'd be willing to wager that if I showed, let's say, a couple of dozen people a still image of Akiko, let's take the one for example where he's showing off his biceps, and I'd say. What way do you reckon this guy swings? Do you reckon he's straight, bi, or gay, or somewhere in between? I reckon that a majority of people who I showed this to would probably say he's straight. Why is this relevant to anything, you might wonder? Now, again, this is kind of in the same vein as, you know, the whole... The, we, we don't live in an ideal world, uh, but it'd be nice if we did. And so, unfortunately, a non-ideal world requires non-ideal solutions, but... I think that if you're, you know, growing up and you find yourself, like, you know, questioning your own sexuality, that it might even be a comfort, dare I say, to see someone presented as so masculine as Akiko be gay or be bi, because it divorces, like, or rather demolishes your preconceptions or your biases towards someone's sexuality based on how they look. And I think that plays in part to uh, Uenoyama's reaction there. He's like, a buff dude like you? No! Impossible! This cannot be. <laughs> I mean, take Vin Diesel, for example. Dude is, like, you know, built like a brick shit house, but he's gay. I wouldn't personally have had him marked up as that myself based on my own biases. But I can, again, this is streak, streaking... Uh, I'm getting tongue out. Speaking strictly as someone who is on the outside looking in and is still trying his best to understand, even though I ultimately will never truly comprehend it properly. Um, I think that, you know until it's not needed anymore that there can be a great benefit to seeing someone who is so masculine be gay because it can then as i say untangle or negate your conceptions of how you know you should look personally as someone who is also gay or bi. totally i mean i mean this is like you know the this is like the counter argument or the counter examples those two fuckers from persona 5 who i'm always so very (laughs) fond of bringing up because they're just so shit um (laughs) so yeah I all in all, this scene, like from start to finish, is the highlight of the episode, and arguably, I'd say the highlight of the series thus far. It's 
so powerful. It's very offensive to like how people that age would speak, especially when you have an older person like Akiko is, you know, very... He's very worldwide. He's clearly had a lot of his own experiences that were related in the flashbacks we've seen, plus what's continuing going on with Murata right now. Um, and he's got a good finger on the pulse of the band, and he's actually acting in his own little way to, you know, try and guide them all to finding the answers that he in part already has, because he seems very at peace with his life. What the context is between yeah. him and Murata and also what his relationship is with the IO is still up in the air. I'm sure we'll find that out in the coming episodes. But nonetheless, like, in some way, like, the anime itself is taking on the role Akiko presents, that of a, you know, an elder figure that's it's got the experience that's willing to relate it to you and help you find your own way as a result. I could not praise this more. Now, one final thing I will note, because it's important I say this now, now that I've gotten all that out of my mouth. Um, mm. I must again remind people, as a CISET guy, I am I'm inherently unable to, like, give the 100% S-rank examination of this that it obviously deserves. So I would, as always, very strongly suggest that you go seek out LGQ Plus um, analyses and critiques and reviews of this show in particular. Like, I mean, I'm not unhappy, of course, to have people listening to me talk about this. Indeed, I'm very, still very stunned and very happy that so many people wanted us to cover this material. But you shouldn't, you know, always eat the same food at the same restaurant all the time, is all I'm saying. Go seek other, you know, sources and get other opinions on that can, you know, give you the true insight that this material des- deserves, in my opinion. Just just a PSA there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's hard to argue with your point that this is, like, the the strongest scene in the show so far. It was incredibly powerful. Uh it just wow i mean and again everything you said about your own gender uh and and sex applies to me as well and so it it was not one of those things that seeing it you know i felt personally seen but just being an empathetic person i think it's easy to to be like wow like I, i i think yeah i bet this really touched a lot of people and feels uh it feels very genuine and authentic and feels like it would speak to people and it's just really cool it's so cool to see that i really love this scene a lot absolutely absolutely couldn't couldn't agree more with it i mean if the show ended here right now it would be bad like as in when i I say bad i don't mean like as in like this the story itself would be bad like oh fucking hell really but it would be bad that you know it had ended abruptly but i think it would still end on such a high note for having such a scene like that. It's crazy to me to think of how awesome that was, because in reality, that should be, as I say, the norm. Its existence is perpetuated on, you know, the way our world currently works, which isn't perfect by a long shot. So the point that, you know, as powerful as that scene is, in, say, however many years' time it takes for us to finally reach a parity of understanding and sympathy and empathy of people of, you know, different sexualities of them being hit, like, that then it would become irrelevant. It's one of those weird, like, Schrodinger scene kind of things. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, like, could not praise it enough, but holy shit. Uh, and also funny. Funny. Very funny as well. Like, oh yeah, by the way, you've had your mitts all into it. And like, again, it it's comedy. Like, it takes... it it It's that could kind of comedy where it's not mocking or degrading Uenayama for his feelings. It's, like, comedy to me is about exposing absurdity and 
There is an absurdity, I'd argue, inherent in having to hide feelings that are very natural and very genuine and even beautiful. Like, you shouldn't have to hide that. Right. So, Akiko, like, making comment like, you've had your grease mitts over him already, haven't you? Oh my yes. god, what have you been doing to poor innocent Matthew? <laughs> you've had right. your sordid ways with him, you fiend! Ooh. I don't know where that came from, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I was enjoying it. <laughs> um, Like, that is funny, but it's also against the heart of the problem, which is that, you know, it is about the absurdity and the ridiculing absurdity of having a, a desire or a pressure exuded from somewhere to question, like, if you should even talk it out. Or even, as you've rightly pointed out, when it says, what's wrong with me? And, well, the obvious answer is nothing. Apart from the fact that his nose disappears whenever he gets really exasperated, I think he should probably go see a surgeon about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Takes on a grey pallor and his nose yeah. disappears. Have you ever suffered from receding nose syndrome? <laughs> um, and yeah, that that line that you're talking about that Akihiko says is um, again, it it just wasn't it wasn't this mean spirited sort of thing. It was like I need to help Uenoyama feel better and ease him into this moment because I feel like we're gonna I, I would like to have a a serious conversation with him hmm. and humor can have that kind of disarming effect where then you know you can be you could be more more vulnerable and more open with mm-hmm. your interlocutor it's um, a it's a very good icebreaker if used appropriately yeah hmm. and uh so speaking of vulnerability this leads quite nicely into thing the first thing i wanted to say um so through throughout the episode we kind of get more of a glimpse into uh akihiko's perspective on many things uh particularly what it was like for him to fall in love i really really like this because he talks about it as a really almost a kind of violent experience he talks about it as something that is rather than being sweet uh it's very intense yeah and he speaks about uh how difficult it is because being in love requires you to expose your your yourself emotionally uh it requires a vulnerability that is very risky because doing that uh, can leave you open to being really, really crushed, really, mm-hmm. really hurt from someone else, either intentionally or unintentionally. And and that's a tricky, a tricky and difficult thing that human beings have to kind of go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found an interesting sort of parallel between these feelings that he's talking about, these things that he's saying, and what Mafuyu is telling himself at the midpoint of the episode about writing his lyrics. Like, we've talked a lot about, in previous episodes, kind of art and its effects on the artist themselves. Like, the healing effect, the um detoxification uh and and cathartic kind of uh outcomes for an artist making art but 
you know, there's another side, another component to this. Like when you make art, you are putting something out there into the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, Mafia says, what is it that I want to tell these people? Drink water, motherfuckers! Like, Whoa! <laughs> it's almost as if he's thinking about it for the first time, right? Like, not just what do I want to write? How do I kind of grapple with my feelings? But like, what is it that I want to communicate? And like, art is again shown here to be something that um, is uh, a conduit, right? Between uh, an artist's uh, intention and feeling and the um, the observer of the art, the audience. And it's like this chance for communication. You, It's an artist deciding how and in what way they can kind of let people in to mm-hmm. their life. It is an artist being very vulnerable. It is an, someone exposing themselves emotionally to a group of people at a very big risk. So I think what I got from these two threads of the show is that producing a piece of art is almost like an expression of love an expression of love to the world, to your audience. Unless you're Adam and... Sandler. Well, <laughs> then it, then it, then it seems... <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's a very, that's a very good counter argument. <laughs> thank, thank God for you, Doc. Like, I was just thinking then, like, oh, I, I only mentioned him specifically because I was writing him in as a joke into the, uh, into a script I'm doing for a uh, which is probably the first time Adam Sandler's ever going to have been funny in the past couple of years. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. <laughs> How dare you make fun of me and my Hollywood career? That's a really bad Adam Sandler impression. He he does this, this kind of voice. Oh, this kind of voice. It's me, Angry Sandler. Those are the two, I think, ranges that he has. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> um, if I may uh, move away from uh, the water boy... Let's talk instead mm. about just very briefly go back to the point you made about what uh, Akiko is saying when he's giving us the inner monologues. Like, there's something very primal about the language that he uses to describe his emotions. He doesn't really analogize or m- use metaphor or simile even to describe his feelings. He's not like saying he's fluttering away like a butterfly. Fly. He just simply fe- says it very raw, like he had ne- like pain, like going through him. There are some metaphors in there, but otherwise, like. It, when he speaks to us, like it feels like a very genuine expression of how, of like his emotions, like just boiled down to their raw nature. And it got to the point where he ended up quitting the uh, violin, as a, as a side note, mm-hmm. um, because he couldn't ultimately compete with Murata. Like I think he he just felt outshone by him. So I think we're going to have to wait for more information on his Murata's relationship. Although we now at least have Murata's name, which is good. Yes. Um, and we also understand like how they came to meet, but yeah, like Akiko, interestingly enough, like he seems to live in this like kind of dichotomy where he has the best understanding of the other band members and pushes them subtly and overtly towards sourcing things out. But there is that overhanging question I mentioned of him and my Yoyoi versus you know um, him and Marasa. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the actual true nature of the relationship here? And funnily enough, this actually now leads into a convenient talking point that I'm going to mention in this episode, but it brings up points and others, which is 
the show has uh, explores a couple of times or looks a couple of times the idea of rumors gossiping and uh, you know spying eavesdropping whatever you want to call it because we've had numerous scenes like of characters listening in on other conversations and getting interpretations from that are obviously incorrect i mean we have um god what was her name again oh my uh, gosh Kasai, yeah. feel, they have, said it they finally said it yeah we have Kasai's, uh, yeah Kasai's own you know um uh her telling Ueniyama of matthew's history uh we've got haruki's previous scenes where he's you know mentioning about yayoi men- meeting with akiko and that scene i mentioned of the two guys i like you two had sex was I it good did you <laughs> was it good <laughs> dude how was it like i don't know how it went um but yeah like how big was it? no <laughs> what well it was it was a 44 ounce you know i needed a lot to drink afterwards <laughs> it was completely full of cherry coke oh yeah me. anyway <laughs> anyway um but yeah like this has come up a couple of times on the show's room where we've had characters who are relating to us like what they know of exp- of uh, things they've seen and, and uh, the way characters have interacted but the show itself is also taking a grim look on people spreading rumors and not having the full picture like we in this episode we have Sasuke and like hey check this out it's uh you know it's Kasai and Ueniyama under the tree K-I-S-S-I-N-G whiz elbow 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 yes exactly exactly these kids need an anime about I would watch a spin-off anime about the the basketball bros from Given. <laughs> would rule oh my gosh they make me so happy they're they're, they're a pair of good lads those two they're all right they although really they are. are although they are of course giving Mafu the wrong impression here because we'll be getting to kasai's apology in a little bit uh but yeah they aren't making out under that tree uh no although you could technically argue i suppose depending on how you feel about kasai that Uenoyama is definitely taking the trash out oh my god so mean so fucking mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a I burn. couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I'm so sorry, but someone was going to make that joke at some point. I at least figured before I spied it, I would try and make it first. Too soon. <laughs> oh, dear. To be fair, she did apologize, though. So that's good. But yeah, yeah we'll she get... was in tears. Yeah, but we'll get to her in a moment. So yeah, like, the show at numerous points has brought this up. And I think it's curious, like, how you compare, like, how the characters related to the audience in their own inner monologues, information that they know, versus, you know, like, what we're seeing uh, happen in the show and what the, uh, you know, when they have these scenes of seeing other people from a distance, not getting the full picture. Like, it's interesting how the show, to me, like, seems to have this kind of, like, again, a kind of dichotomy where, okay, the show's deliberately not going to give you the whole picture, but it's also a bad thing, funnily enough, that so many characters in show are not getting the full picture. I'm on to you, Given. I've got you figured out. <laughs> we, know. we know. We know. But yeah, maybe that's a lesson to us as the audience that we shouldn't be so presumptive about events because we don't have the full you know, thing again, which is why I'm yeah. ultimately not speculating on uh, Marasa's relationship with uh, Akiko just yet. Um, although, you know, I do get the very distinct impression that Marasa definitely has his strings wound too tight. I couldn't resist. Man, they just keep I, coming. They just I just couldn't resist. I couldn't stop. resist. Don't judge me. Don't judge uh, me. Man. I I really liked can I just say like uh the way that Akihiko characterized him through dialogue when that scene when he goes up to him to hug him, like 
it was so brilliant. Like the dialogue for this whole fucking episode, like the writing was so good. Like it really, really just pulls off so well everything that the show wants to pull off. And it could have gone bad a few times, but uh, it was so strong. Hmm. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, do you have any other points you want to bring up, Doc? Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, uh, let's see. So, yeah, toward, uh, I guess it's toward the end of the episode when we have uh, Akihiko talking to Mafuyu. Uh, whenever he tells Haruki to take home Uenoyama and give him a push, it's more like, give him a push. <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and then we get the wonderful, super fun game of life board game uh, visuals, which made me oh the uh, it's it's chuckle. the uh, it's the final level from Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> oh god, damn! I haven't thought about that in so long. Or Cuphead, if you want to, you know, pull that out. So clearly, the villain of uh, Given is going to be King Dice. I yes, one hundred percent. He's tied. I, this episode is about dice. Yes. I could, I could just totally see him like looking over all the characters he's just there like with his little goes on like, ah Mr. King Dice I, I, oh what a great game um, uh, but let's not talk about that so uh, yeah so during that part right when when he's given uh, Mafuyu his helmet and jacket he to put these on he lights up a cigarette and says you know, if you want to write these lyrics, you have to come to terms with your past. You have to decide if you want to uh, run away from it or if you want to write about it, if you want to express it. And that just made me think of uh, the power of language mm. when it comes to kind of it being a, a tool to apply to our experiences. I mean, this is a very traumatic thing. And I imagine when Mafuyu uh, told Uenoyama about his experience, that was probably like the first person he like talked to about it that wasn't involved. And if you were involved, like I'm sure you didn't need to talk about it. You didn't need to describe it. Like this is his first discussion with someone about it. And, and, he, and he keeps not writing because he's practicing his guitar stuff. And so... The, the rest of the uh, band, Akihiko in particular, wants him to really decide if he if he's going to do this. And, like, expressing, like, trauma in your life through language can really kind of give it uh, a reality, can help it sink in. Because you're having to kind of look at it, really look at it to to give it words, to put words to it, to describe it. You've got to kind of clear-eyed, squarely look at it. you got to wrap your mind around it. You almost, you have to accept it. And maybe maybe he's got to figure that out if, if he accepts it, if he wants to kind of confront it. Hmm. Um, and his expressing it will give it this kind of reality, this sort of finality. And then also other people hearing it and other people expressing it, like... Um, I think it was, this is a very sort of non-serious example, but um, there's a very famous footballer called Dennis Bergkamp, who is from Holland. And when he first got signed by the famous London club, uh, Arsenal, uh, he 
uh, said famously that it didn't really sink in until he went back to his hotel room and heard on teletext someone else saying Dennis Bergkamp has signed for Arsenal. He's like, oh, it really happened. Despite the fact that he was like training and at the facility and signing the pay, like it didn't really have that sense of reality for him until is verbalized through language by someone else. Yeah, and so there's that component too. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I I just uh, like it, Mafuyu and his trauma and how he's kind of dealing with it, I think is being handled with a lot of care. And I really enjoyed that scene quite Hmm. a bit. Yeah. That that scene, like it, I think that Akiko's approach of like being very direct with Mafuyu I think at some point it's going to be it's necessary to do that. Sometimes some people do need a very strong push in order to get things going. You can't yeah. just simply, as Akiko did at the start of the episode, poke someone with a drumstick. You need to actually give them a full blown shove. <laughs> so yeah, I think he's got a good handle on like how to solve his band members' problems, or at least well not solve them, but at least put them on the path to solving them. So yeah, definitely a highlight episode for him. Like what a guy. What a guy. I, can I can I also just add, like, I love this moment of subtle humor, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but again, Akiko's like, oh, uh, that, like, sorry, Haruki's like, oh, look, uh, Mafiyu's awake after his little nap. Let's go back in and get stop, keep practicing. And Akiko grabs his uh, arm and says, no, come out, stay out here and have a, have a smoke with me. But his cigarette is barely even been burned down. <laughs> And I just wish, I just, in my head, I've got this, like, headcanon image of him just smoking two cigarettes at once just to try and keep up the image. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was funny. But again, it also showed his character that he was like, no, look, like, give them time. I know what's going on here. Just just chill. Just chill, man. Uh, I have one other thing I want to bring up, and this is just a very small point, but it's a visual callback that I really appreciated. Um, so... Marasa notes uh, to Akiko like that he's a slave, quote unquote. Uh, not in the most serious sense, thankfully. This isn't, you know, Shield Hero all over again. Thank Christ for that. Uh, bury that, sh- bury that shit deep in the earth where it can't yes. be found. Anyway, uh, but he responds with, "I'm, you know, at least call me a freeloader." So when Murata later falls asleep on the bed, um, what? Uh, what hap- It looks like he's fallen straight like face first, like lying sideways on half on half off, which I'm fairly sure from my memory was the exact same way um, yeah. that yeah. Um, Akiko fell on the bed previously at um, Haruki's place. Totally. Like, it feels to me like that they're living kind of, he's living like a parallel existence both in Murata's home, if that is indeed his home, and uh, Haruki's. Even right down to just little details like that. Um, which I thought was a neat little callback. Nothing too major, as I say, but just a visual contrast there. Yeah, that was super cool. I enjoyed mm. that. All right. Um, do you ha- do you have any more points to bring up, Doc? Yeah, I do. Um, it, this is not really uh, analysis so much as just um, an observation. Uh, that boy, what a what what a bit of honesty, and. Uh, uh, from from Uenoyama when shortly after Mafuyu's inner monologue moment when he's talking about what he wants to tell the people or asking himself that uh, Uenoyama himself has one he says I'm scared 
of the song that he's going to come up with. Ah, uh, um, yes. So I don't want him, good. I don't want him singing a song about loving someone else. Yeah. Like, so just, like, self-aware and honest. And who knows if these are, like, sort of subconscious thoughts or conscious ones, really. I like, I think I can, it's pretty mm. safe to assume they're conscious ones. But, mm. um, but yeah, uh, it's, I, my original thought when he first started to speak that he was scared i was thinking well is this because he feels like maybe these are some big complicated feelings that uh mafuyu is going to communicate and ueno yama is involved in them and like his kind of involvement would would be something that he was afraid of uh but he ends up being pretty forthright about the fact that it, it comes from a place of, uh, of envy. And mm. that, uh, that was so, it made me feel like so warmly toward him. And I just, it, it just want him to succeed. I want, I want him and Mafia to have, have that moment where they come together and Uedo Yama is able to make peace with the fact that Mafuyu has loved someone else before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find it interesting, by the way, to note that in this episode, Ueriyama's anxiety goes from, you know, am I gay or not, to, okay, I'm gay, but now how dare he have loved someone else? Like, <laughs> it, again, it feels very authentic. Like, he, just because, you know, you accept that part of you doesn't mean then, you know, you necessarily have it under control or don't, I mean, hell, that applies to anyone of any sexuality. How many times I can think of, for example, where I've been anxious about my feelings towards someone else. So, yeah, like, all very authentic, all very relatable. I, every part of this was fantastic. All right. And finally. 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 Uh, all we need is some giant robots because we have what is basically a macross love triangle here we got the the music they're they're musicians and we got the we got the the romance the love triangle the akihiko murata yayoi and now we just need uh someone of that you know trio to be a robot pilot and then this will become an unofficial part of the macross canon sounds right to me um, I've just realized, by the way, I would actually be t- pretty down for listening uh, to Mafuyu cover uh, What About My Star. <laughs> I think he, I think <laughs> totally. he would nail the shit out of that song. That would be awesome. I think he would. Oh, man. Uh, right. Kira, well, Kira. Um, shall we uh, Shall we cover our patron question then? Oh, let's. let's. All right. So this comes in from Tallulah Bell and goes thusly. What did you think of Kasai's apology? Does it redeem her for you at all? Do you want to feel this one first, Doc, or shall I? Yeah, um, I, I, I think at this point, I, I don't feel any strong hatred for Kasai. I mean, she uh, up to this point, she she has, t- you know, been what Uenuyama himself says as petty. And mm. he and she recognized that it was petty of her to do that, to, to throw some doubt into the relationship of Uenoyama and Mafuyu. But she didn't 
it, it was really a kind of uh, sort of tentative, like toe dip into that. She didn't th- really throw Mafuyu under the bus. She didn't cast a bunch of aspersions on him. She didn't lie. Uh, she she said a little bit of what the truth was and then apologized immediately and was like, oh, but these are just rumors. I don't know. It's probably not true. And I mean, she just, she likes the boy. I mean, you know, that that's kind of all she's, she's and, and she's had some feelings like behind their back of like, girl, they're together. But like, I mean, come on. You don't want to yeah. kill her over that. Like I, I, to, yeah. to me, she doesn't really need redeeming. She's just, I, I wish there was more to her. Mm. Um, mm. but, but yeah, I mean, she's, uh, she's done nothing in my eyes that needs redemption. And so as far as her apology, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, that they had that moment that, that we can now kind of put that chapter behind us as far as like Kasai, uh the one who spread the rumor it's like um she's deeply sorry uh about it and mm. and that's and, and she admitted and she was very honest and open with him so yeah it was it was fine i mean she probably felt stronger about it than most people would have i feel like yeah. well one thing that's important to know about the apology is that it was unprompted it yeah it well it happened because she felt like Yuenian was being nice to her by helping her take out the trash. But there wasn't an external pressure of, like, you did a bad thing. Like, she came with it on her own initiative, which I think is noteworthy. So you clearly contrite. Yeah. For me, I think that you touched on uh, this, and it leads into my overall fear, which is that ultimately I don't... I know this is going to sound very contrary to what I've just said, but just trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Like, I don't think it does redeem her, for me. But here's the reason I say that. Because I don't think Kasai functions as her own character. I think that her involvement in the narrative is essentially to feed Uenayama that information, and then that's that, at least as presented thus far. That's the real importance of her role thus far, which is to give Ma- uh, sorry, give Uenayama more information about Matthew, not to have her own involvement or her own arc, necessarily. In mm-hmm. theory, she essentially serves the same purpose as I know this is sound incredibly corny, but Uenayama just happened to, you know, find a newspaper in the library that happens to have Yuki's death on the front page. That's her. Fu- that's her function, really, in my opinion. Yeah. So, it's true. You can't. I can't argue with you. You know. So thus far in the show's run, I don't think she's enough of a fully fleshed out character of her own for it to really matter about one way or another. Like I like that the apology happened. Don't get me wrong. Um. But if ultimately this is the point where her relevance to the plot ends, uh, well, that's that. Put her back in I, the fridge. Oh, no. Oh, harsh. Harsh, man. I thought I was cold. Woo. <laughs> Woo. But that being said, there's something I just want to also mention, which is that I think there is potential for her to have more involvement later in the story. Um, particularly in if she ultimately finds out that, you know, Uriyama is indeed gay and has those feelings for Matthew. I think it would be a really nice moment for her to be encouraging towards him to say, "Look, mm. to get to do the to do the you know MJ go get him tiger, go get him tiger, yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing." I think that would be really nice, but I am also of the opinion that she certainly does not rise to the same level as either Haruki or Akiko in terms of relevance to the overall plot or involvement or being fleshed out, which is unfortunate. 
Um, I mean, for me personally, like I adore all the LGBTQ stuff in this, but I think that it could go a little further by including. I know it's going to sound like the worst kind of betrayal ever, but I think that if you could include, you know, some more involvement from the heterosexual characters getting involved, just again, just being on board. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's where are the me. hits? Bring it by hits. <laughs> my God, there's going to be there's going to be a petrol bomb coming through my window any second. Now. <laughs> but I, I only say that because I think that you know. It would be good just to have them involved a little bit more, if only again just to, you know, show that that side of things where they are encouraging and supportive of, you know, of of the main characters. I mean, take Yayoi, yeah. for example. Uh, I reckon at this particular point in the story, with the exception of her tying into that whole, you know, rumours and speculation, a bad thing, which is when Haruki, like, notices, like, this is an earlier episode, where he notices her running up to Mikai Hiko and, like, the camera frames her differently than how she was framed with her brother previously. Like, I think you could jettison Yayoi entirely from the story without any real consequence beyond losing the comedic moments between her and Uenoyama. I mean, she's, yeah, she's fun to have in the show, don't get me wrong, but her function at the moment really has just been for comic relief. So some more yeah. substantive involvement, I think, from the heterosexual characters would be good. Again, I'm not saying, you know, for that to be the whole, like, well, actually, maybe you should be with me instead of that boy. No. Like, oh, no, God. that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that um, I think that there could be more to them just simply than being superfluous, for lack of a better term. I mean, like I say, for all that, I like going back to Kasai, I joke about the newspaper thing, but you could, in theory, just do a fine replace of her involvement with a newspaper sure. or a school article, or, you know, suddenly Yuenoyama walks past a bench and he sees that in memory of Yuki 19xx to 2000xx, whatever, Mega Man years, shit like that. <laughs> and then and then he, right. and then he pops it together in his head like, Yuki? And then just like, flashback to, you know, Matthew, you mentioned Yuki, it would serve the same function, essentially right so um may i respond you may so i feel like that there's a couple ways to respond so i guess the first avenue response that one could have would be like well you know welcome to how uh gay characters felt in stories right like super incidental or mis mischaracterized no nope, you're you're absolutely you know, right that whole kind yeah. of crap but like but I feel like while that's true, um, that is, I don't know, not as like constructive of a, of a response. Uh, although I think a valid one and totally fair. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is not that you wish one of the principles was het because we want all the characters oh, hell no. that no. are there to like, everything that's there with them and their relationships and those kind of dynamics are so great um i don't think you and certainly i we're not saying like you know change one of them to het because we need some het representation oh, in the main no. cast or anything like that fucking lutely not no that is not the deal so no. but but i guess what it could serve if one of the characters you mentioned had a larger role um well first of all you know women it women characters getting to do substantial things you know beyond serve the the male cast members always a good thing um but additionally like 
don't maybe we don't want the like this sort of uh separation of worlds right the gay world and the the het world uh and the hets don't have anything to do with uh gay world they're kind of on their own isolated in their own world like it it would be it i guess it would be cool to have like some support encouragement some like i mean we are we are you know we are not you and we're not trying to steal your thunder in the show or anything like that but like we're all kind of together in the same place in the same world and we support you and we're like like here for you yeah i mean to go back to kasai for a second like i mentioned before the idea or the possibility of later in the show's run uh you know her finding out and her being supportive of Eliana. And to go back to what I said earlier about the idea of, again, exploring your sexuality, coming to understand it as you grow up, I think that it would be helpful to the actual narrative, you know, of, of coming to terms with that and, and approving of that and it being a good and healthy thing, if it included some elements of explaining that to people like Kasai who are interested in you as a person, but you're never going to be interested in them back for that particular reason, and conversing with them like, and having them just be cool with it. I mean, the show generally is cool with it anyway, as far as I can tell. But mm-hmm. I think that moving that from subtext to text by making it more explicit as part of a conversation, say, between Kasai and Ueyama, where she could say, when did you start feeling this way? And then he could explain it in more detail. And she could say, you know what? I think the world of Ueyama, but ultimately I know that, you know, we'll never be a thing. And you know what? That's totally cool. And you go get him, you know? Do you think that, you that would? Do you think that would feel too didactic? Possibly. I mean, I'm 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 merely spitballing here. I'm sure there's a way it could be done. Um, I am also going to just stress this point that if that does not happen in whole or in part, oh my uh, that god, is in no, that is in yeah. no means to the show's detriment. No. Oh but, my gosh, this is not us saying like. Well, these are the well, victory conditions. This is the brass ring show. Come and get it. <laughs> yeah, but, but this is the achievement a lot moment. Get your gamer score up. Um, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just think that... This is difficult to phrase without coming across as a prick. I must stress. I'm, God, I should have had some more booze before I started this or any booze for that matter. <laughs> Although that might have made things worse, potentially. Um, but yeah, don't, don't mistake me here, folks. What I'm not saying here is, you know, I want, you know, a show about, you know... Two, two gay men like you know discovering each other to be less gay that's that's fucking stupid that's not what i want what i think would be helpful though is just for these like characters like yayoi and kasai to have more to do that and as i say as i mentioned in the example i gave that would be in service of the narrative i just mentioned of two men coming together like everyone plays a part in it friends family and such Indeed, it makes me wonder where any Yama's parents or any of their parents are. Where the fuck is everyone's parents? <laughs> well, they the all grown in, grown in tubes. Fucks if I know. <laughs> I think um, what you might be saying is like that you want it to feel, you want these relationships maybe to feel more situated in the real world and not kind mm. of cordoned off. Um, so, something like that, yeah. From like contact with other people that would be interacting with them and. But you know, I guess maybe that would make maybe that would make the whole thing feel less safe. Like maybe yeah. that's part of like why the escapism is good this is true. and validating. This is true. I mean, as much as I said before, I, I praise the scene, you know, for its authenticity. About okay, we don't live in an ideal world, but um, 
you know, that's a good thing that the show presents it as that way and that you will have difficulties coming to terms with your sexuality as you grow up. Like, at the same time, you know, there is a reason we consume fiction and a good, a very strong reason for that is escapism. And if you were to, if it were to be entirely comfy, uh, you know, no one's got any beef about that kind of thing and you never have any anxieties. I would similarly understand and appreciate that. I would personally, and again, I'm speaking as a cishet man here, so take that with the grain of salt it deserves. I would personally prefer the elements to have been included a little bit more just to, you know, bring up, like, make it feel more authentic to the conflict you might go through when you're coming through that. But your biologist could vary on that, and it's not a bad thing that the show, certainly the opposite of a bad thing that the show is the way it is and the way it's been constructed. Um, call this more of an observation than a criticism then, folks. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. It's an interesting yeah. thought experiment. I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to go back to what Kay told me many, many moons ago when we were doing Devil Man, which is queerness shouldn't be treated as unknowable, and certainly Given is not doing that. But I think that getting the um, Het characters involved on that might be a good thing in overall for the show and for the material. If you think I'm talking bullshit, please, please tell me. Like, by the way, folks, just I'll keep this as an open invite here. Like, I think what ultimately me and Doc will have to discuss off cast is. Like I say, we're we're doing our best here to understand the material and, you know, give it its proper credence and its proper dues here. And certainly it is doing everything fantastically, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think we might be well vested in getting the opinions of someone else. Maybe a guest on the show? Who knows? Who can say? It could happen. Indeed. It could happen. We'll have a think on that. Um, so yes, yeah, so answer your long answer your questions, Lulabelle, after all that. But thank you very much, by the way, for popping that in there because it's certainly yeah. it's a good question in its own right, and it's also given us a lot to think about as a result of that. So thank you for that. But yeah, to get back to answering that, no, it doesn't redeem her for me. But uh, for the reasons I've explained, it's more complicated than me simply thinking like, well, the trash joke I made before. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess my answer will be no, because she doesn't need redemption. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see how the show plays out. There could, as I say, still be room for her to be involved more. Anyway, Spe- uh, Speaking I've... of being involved, listeners, including my doglets. Doglets. <laughs> doglets. Oh, Get, involved. Get involved. Get uh, involved. This has been the second stream, which is a show for what are we to show patrons first and foremost they are listening to it you are listening to it um fresh when episode seven has just recently come out however if you're not a patron you're listening to it a couple weeks later and you may be thinking well gosh i'd love to to catch up and and you know listen to these not only get caught up but listen to them when they're fresh then head on over to patreon.com slash watery show and uh, subscribe. This is the, the $5 tier. That is the, the maximum tier. We don't have anything higher than five. Uh, we wanted you to be able to get all the bonus content for five max. There are two and $3 tiers in which you can be a member of our discord. Um, if you check the info, you'll see which tiers will allow you to ask questions in the discord. Uh, about the show as Tallulah Bell has done about this show and about Vinland Saga, the other show we're currently covering. There's all sorts of other benefits, other bits and bobs. Shadon has talked about uh, Aki Khan, a show that uh, he will oh, be covering. God. Uh, 
that is for for your uh, be- benefit. I'm glad someone's getting something out of it. <laughs> but also, you know, hey, you you may not be able to support us financially, uh, and that is a okay. But uh, we we love you anyway, and we love your listenership and support. You can follow us on Twitter at Warui Desho to see when all of our content is dropping. We announce it there. Uh, we got a YouTube. We got a SoundCloud. We got Apple Podcasts. All of those uh, platforms you can see our content on, as well as uh, Google Play, Stitcher, what have you. Just check us out. Leave us a review. Leave us uh, a rating. That would help us out a whole bunch. Hell yeah. That's a like button. Hit the bell. Sub Smash your face on the that. keyboard until eventually you're subscribed to us. <laughs> that's right. Subscribe in all the places. <laughs> so, Calls um, to action. I've studied YouTube 101. I know how this shit works. Uh, well, he has been Shadon. Shadon, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to talk to you? You can hit me up at Shaden1010. Uh, that's 1010 at the end of my name because at Shaden is still blocked by some prick who hasn't used his account since 2013. Thank you very much. I will find you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you can message him all you want, by the way. I'm sure he won't answer eventually. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, you can hit me up there. And as I said, like, we're still trying to figure this, this shit out. We're trying to, I'm trying to do my best for it, but I'm not going to pretend that, as I say, that I have a complete understanding of, you know, LGBTQ plus content. Uh, nor will I ever speak wise. That's just inherent to my nature as a person and who I am. But doesn't mean I can't try. Doesn't mean I can't do better. And it also doesn't mean that I won't, you know, uh, turn down any feedback or any comments or any thoughts or opinions you might have on the stuff I've said. Um, even if you if you're happy with it, I'm still. I'd love to hear from all of you because shows like this, like you know, I think Given is fantastic. I think it's technically really proficient. It's very relaxed, very chill, but it's also very important, I think, as well. And I want to hear from all of you how important it's been to you or how important you feel it would be to others as much as I've speculated on that. Like, if you've got first-hand experience like of watching this show and thinking, I'm so glad that this is the way it's presented, then tell me. Tell me in as much or as little detail as you'd like. I want to be better educated. I want to be better understanding this stuff. And part of that, as I say, comes from actually speaking to people whom would get the full benefit out of a show like this so yeah uh by all means hit me up there and let me know what you think for sure for sure that goes for both of us also uh a sort of announcement-ish thing here at the end um we save housekeeping till the end uh our live streams for the next few months are going to be moved over to twitch exclusively because We've gotten an unfortunate, though uh, I suppose deserved, copyright strike on YouTube.com. We will still be uploading our weekly discussions of Vinland Saga there. But if you want to get involved live with the chat and discussion and polls, you'll need to go to twitch.tv slash show. We have been broadcasting there, but um, there is where we'll be exclusively for a little bit uh we'll let you know when that changes again you can still get vods of all kinds on youtube just no live streaming indeed we're just hiding from the cops right now that's the kind of thing you know we're, 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 do, we're doing indeed. some uh, gorilla radio shit here <laughs> that's right uh, i'm gonna be listening to that when i go out drinking in a minute it'll be great superb superb well we'll let you get to that and we will sign off 
in the way that we always do, which is to say, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Good night.